I want to say thanks, worship team, too. Thanks. <laughs> um, and for everyone who prayed as well. Lord, uh, I just I want to hear what you're saying, and I want it to cut a channel in my heart for grace to flow. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes it seems too simple, right? <laughs> Part of you goes, wait a minute. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Scholars. Amorphous scholars. I think there are four letters that Paul actually wrote to the Corinthians. We have two in the Bible. I just think that's interesting, you know, what the Lord sovereignly gave us down generations and what he didn't. Um, it'll be an interesting area of, like, investigation in the next age to be talking about, like, what did he withhold, actually, from us that was actually for our good? Um, so 1 Corinthians, starting off. To the church of God, which is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I'm just, I'm reading out the introduction, the address of this letter to remind us who Paul's writing to. He's writing to the church in Corinth. And of course, there's the universal applicability of, of scripture of like, and to all the other saints, but specifically to this church in this city. And he recognizes um, that they've been confirmed in Christ. They are believers. They claim the name of Jesus, but also that they've been confirmed in that. And how are we confirmed? We're confirmed by the witness of the Spirit, right, in us. It's the Spirit who comes to indwell that is the seal of our having received Jesus. And then he also says that you've got no shortage of gifts flowing in you. So they've got the Holy Spirit moving in their congregation. This is not a bunch of um, like new believers who just said the prayer and are like, now what? This is actually written about three years after um, Paul was sort of establishing the church there where he was evangelizing in Corinth and began the church. So this is, he's gone away and three years later he's like, okay, I've got reports of some things that are going on. I need to write a letter to kind of deal with some issues. But he's not doing it to a bunch of people who are like, maybe the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out. Maybe we're going to have access to the Spirit someday so that he's going to keep them in line until the Spirit can do it. He's actually writing to believers 
who have received the Holy Spirit. So we're going to move on to 1 Corinthians 3. To say that he's talking to a church that has the Holy Spirit flowing, indwelling in people, and yet he writes, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, three years ago. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able to. He's addressing a maturity issue that three years later, he's like, you know what? I gave you the foundation. The Lord poured out his spirit on you in response to your faith and receiving of him. And three years later, you're kind of in the same place you were. You have the Holy Spirit, but there's an immaturity. And um, there are have been times in the past where I'm like, what's this milk meat thing, you know, right? Like, um, I've seen people kind of line up, like, here's the principles of the kingdom that are milk principles, and here's the meat principles. I believe it just has to do with maturity, right? Milk, we, we well, we, as Westerners, largely drink milk all our lives. But, you know, back then, milk is, I need somebody to digest my food for me. I need my mom to process the food. I don't have the teeth. I don't have the digestive system to get into the meat myself and receive it. I don't have gotten to a maturity where the principles of God are being taught to me through the Spirit, where I'm hearing the Spirit in other believers. I'm still at this place where I'm like, where's the guy that led me to Christ? Tell me more about this man you know, about this God that's your God. And he's saying, you know, I I did this, I went away, and three years later, you're still like, somebody tell me something about this God, I don't really know him, even though his spirit is moving. I'm, I'm still missing that maturity to be like, we are now flowing with the spirit, being directed by the spirit, and manifesting his fruit. Um... So I said there's four letters. Interestingly enough, our first, probably our first manuscript we have outside of the Bible from the early church is from um, an elder in Rome named Clement. And his, um, this first manuscript we have is another letter to Corinth saying a lot of the same things that Paul said in his first and second letter that we have. Um, addressing an unruly congregation that was not submitted to the authority of the Spirit. Which is all to say, and this is like, this letter, it's got a lot of like back and forth on when it was written, somewhere between 70 and 100. Um, So this is the 20, uh, this is in um, about 50 uh, AD that this first letter was written by Paul. And it's somewhere... 20 to maybe 50 years later that an elder in Rome has to write to Corinth and say kind of the same things. So, um, which is all to say, we can have the Holy Spirit moving, touching us, leading individuals maybe into maturity, but a congregation can go on not really stepping into the leadership of the Spirit, flowing in gifts even, Miraculous things happening, healings and prophecies, 
but still not submitting to the leadership of the Spirit. Now, I feel like, feels a wrong word. I believe, I know by words that have been given by the witness of the Spirit in me, that um, we are actually in an opportunity moment. The prophecy about grace being poured out in this season um, always comes with a moment of opportunity and a test bundled in it. And so that's why I think I'm, I'm sh- that's why I know I'm sharing on this today, is to speak into this moment where we have an opportunity to move into a new level of leadership as a congregation of the Spirit in us, manifesting His fruit more than it has before, and operating in the kingdom of Jesus um, in a way that we haven't yet. In Ephesians 4, he writes and gives kind of a picture with this mature congregation that he's, that he's hoping the church at Corinth can move into. Ephesians 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And um, some of that language is going to be echoed in the letter to Corinth as well. But in that, he's, he's, um, I put that in there because it's, it's a little more of a picture of like, this is what I hope for you, as opposed to Corinth, which is, you're not measuring up to this. It's a little bit of a different angle of, let me um, hold up a vision for where we're going versus um, a correction. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. I'm just going to bounce around 1 Corinthians here. Stephanie and I always joke to, get to each other like, as we're preparing. I'm just going to get up and read this. <laughs> so yesterday I was like, Steph, I'm just going to read all of 1 Corinthians. And we'll call it good. First Corinthians 14, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? So they're receiving a lot of stuff. They're not disconnected from the Holy Spirit. They're taking time to go, Lord, what are you saying? You know, what do you have for me to bring into the congregation today? They're doing that. Um, let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. 
But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. So the Lord is always going through this process with his people, right, of giving them new liberty, which is always an opportunity to move into more of his leadership or an opportunity to fall into the trap of trying to rush in and fill it with not him. He makes space, which um, I really appreciate what the Lord was leading Steph and the rest of you who joined in with the night watches to be like, we're going to do a making space thing where it's going to be kind of open and see what the Holy Spirit does. Um, because I think it very much was a prophetic act for right now. Um, Yeah. And in those night watches, um, I didn't. I was not led to join these. But in that kind of space, um, there's always the opportunity, right? There's the opportunity to go and wait on the Holy Spirit and see what He does, and He can do amazing things through people who are waiting. And then there's also that temptation, that itch to be like, let's occupy this time somehow. Let's figure out a way to fill it up with stuff. One of the things that is so challenging with our open microphone and our praying together is when we each have something, how much do we let the person praying before us, what they've prayed into, develop beyond their prayer? Is it, is it enough to have somebody come pray something, have an antiphonal response, and then be like, okay, and now the new topic for the next prayer? Versus making the space to go, you know what? There's a lot more that the Spirit wants to do on that thing that got started by that prayer and was responded by this. And maybe I need to wait on my thing that the Lord's given me because I could enter into that first. And there will be time for me to then come share the thing. And the Corinthians were missing that completely. Each one going, I've got this thing that the Lord has told me I've got this thing burning in my heart and I'm just going to put it out there and then somebody else is like, but I've got my thing. 1 Corinthians 12, back and back up. And how do they get there? How do we get there? How does anybody get to this place of jumping of hearing from the Holy Spirit and yet not manifesting his fruit. 
1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit ball. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think less honorable. On these we bestow greater honor, and our presentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Long section. And why is he putting this right smack in the middle of this letter? Because all of this, like, I got to get out there. I got to deliver my thing. I got to, it all comes out of this place of what is my spot? What do I need to do to establish it? What do I need to do to sustain it? How do I make sure everybody knows that when I say, the Lord said this to me, that he really did? How do I make sure that, to, how to answer all of the voices? I know everybody, everybody here is thinking, well, that person didn't say something, and like, Maybe they're, you know, not really talking to the Holy Spirit right now. And how do I get in there and prove, you know, I did my homework? How do I look around and go, oh, I see the role that that person's put in. And it's so good what the Lord's doing. And, and maybe if I just kind of plug into that, then I'll have a good place where the Lord's doing something too. How do I connect in and, and get a little bit of what they're getting? Um, I have paradoxically, I, I, so my natural head imagines people bumping around trying to find a place because they're young and haven't established it yet, right? 
It seems like that makes sense to be like, no believer, I'm going to run around, I'm going to do all the things, I don't really know what my assignment is. But I'm finding it paradoxically, you know, like in the couple decades that I've been really connected into the church now, um, the Lord's been pretty clear to me about kind of how I fit in. Um, and now here, two decades later, I'm starting to go, you know, Lord, can I have a different assignment, please? I love that. Um, we're singing about being right where the Lord is. And I was like convicted by how much I tell the Lord, I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. And he's like, if you're with me, why would you want to go anywhere? That means by definition, you're going away from me until I move, until the cloud goes, until the fire goes. I picture that pillar of fire must have been huge to move that many people and for them all to be like able to follow it, which means at night they didn't see stars anymore because it would have been too bright, which is kind of cool because it means that the main way of telling your direction in the ancient world wasn't there. It was replaced by that pillar. They had to follow it because it was the only thing they could see at night. You know, like when there's a big light source, anything that's not that light source, you can't tell, you can't see it. Every word we're given by the Spirit comes primarily to test us. And we're given it to speak out to people. And people need to hear it. Our brothers and sisters need to hear it. But its first primary purpose is to test us. I am guilty in the many years I've had opportunities to share like this of thinking, oh, I hope this person will be there when I give this thing because I know they really need to hear it. And that is my sin, not realizing that I'm primarily standing here right now delivering this because I need it to work in my heart. And I hope you all get something out of it. And that kind of thing that he's describing in the church in Corinth where everybody's like, I got something to give shows that they weren't like, wow, I need this. I need to give this because I need it to sear me. I need to stab right into me. First Corinthians 4, we're working our way back.
1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who makes you differ from one another, and what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you'd not received it? This is, um, this is the history of God's people, right? The Lord says to Israel, I favored you and I made you wealthy. I prospered you. And then you were like, hey, look how rich we made ourselves. Taking everything he gives us, the words, the prophecies, the pastoral care, the, um, the oh, I've got an assignment to disciple somebody. All of these things, the easy temptation is for us to make it our own instead of a gift we've received that we're just passing on. And that's when it becomes, we're all jangling together with the Holy, what the Holy Spirit's given us. Because I've got this thing, as opposed to, here's what the Lord's giving through me. You are already full. You are already rich. You've reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign that we might also reign with you. For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, aren't you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So uh, just I had talked about um, where this like jangling with this everybody coming forward, everybody sort of pushing my calling, my gifting, my place comes from this need to establish. And it's depicted really um, clearly in the fact that they're all establishing these sort of uh, lineages church lineages of like, I was taught by this person. This person baptized me, so therefore I have, as opposed to the Spirit lighting on a person, giving them a vision and a grace, and the church going, yeah, that person is exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, a grace to move in this area, and an authority to speak over it. And we're all going to Yield to that because we see the Spirit moving. Instead, the Corinthians are trying to establish some kind of, okay, yeah, but the thing I've been given to do was established by this. I can back it up with these reasons. Which all steadily removes Jesus out of it. 
since it is supposed to all flow from his spirit and his heart and him the foundation. I think it's amazing um, how different the leadership of the Spirit is than all we call leadership in the world. Uh, you know, his fruit is gentleness and kindness and self-control. And it is not our nature to follow any of that. You know, like a huge swath of people who claim the name of Jesus not too long ago were like, we just need a guy who doesn't have self-control because the self-control is weak. We just need a guy who is not gentle because gentle's causing us to lose the fight while still claiming to be believers in the one who never asserted his authority, who was like, I'm not going to give you reasons. You know, if the works of the Spirit through me aren't enough, then it's not enough. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to call on a legion of angels. I'm not going to undo what was created through me with a word like I could. Because that's not how I lead. I lead by showing you the way and inviting you and praying the Father that you'll respond and follow. Let's go to Luke 9. Verse 46. There's a, it's, it's interesting that the pattern's there. Like, this is how this falling out of the leadership flows. Luke 9, 46. Just note, like, the progression here. What happens one after another. Then a dispute arose among the disciples as to which of them would be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he did not follow with us. Jesus said to him, don't forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. They go from that same progression. 
we're establishing. Like, what is our ranking? What's our place? How do we fit over each other? Who's going to be the greatest? Jesus rebukes them. And then it flows right into, hey, those guys aren't part of our team, but they're doing the thing. We should tell them to stop. And Jesus is like, no, they're still operating by the Spirit. Don't, don't you recognize the Spirit flowing? And then, uh, and then they go on to, here's some Samaritans. They're not receiving you. You know, let's smite them. They're, they're actually, you know, the thing they go to is, let's use the Spirit's power to enforce this. It's like there's this progression of I've got to find this place to, and now I'm going to establish it through the Spirit. Really, I'm going to think that I'm doing it by the Spirit. Like, I can't call down fire by the Spirit. And I'm somehow thinking that he's going to agree with how I'm going to use his power outside of his fruit and leadership. And while they hadn't had the Spirit poured out on them in the upper room, they had the measure of Spirit that the Lord, that Jesus gave them in order to reach out, that they, enough to think, hey, this is something we can do. And the fact that they would even do it for him, it's not like, Jesus, you should smite them. It's like, hey, you want us to go smite these guys for you? It is amazing. Isn't it amazing that Jesus would pour out his spirit and then his spirit would be actually yielded to us? I mean, that's, it's astounding that we aren't, we aren't like other um, mystics who invite a spirit so that that spirit can completely control them. That we have this humble spirit of the almighty God who created all things, but it's like, okay, if you resist, I'll withdraw. It's so good, you know? Because those other gods, they actually need They have a need for believers for them to manifest. They can't can't do it otherwise. They're hungry for somebody. But our God is a perfect leader because he doesn't actually need any of us. He loves us desperately. He wants us to yield to him for our own good, not because the more people who yield to him, the more of his kingdom happens, He's, he's going to make his kingdom come. It's going to come through some. But he's not counting it up, like going, oh, I don't have enough of my glory in the earth because there aren't enough people. He actually doesn't need any of that. He can do something completely different with different people, you know, the rocks crying out. We'll make new descendants. And because of that, he's like so confident and so sure. Which is what we are 
invited to grow up into. You know, when we talk about the leadership of the Holy Spirit in the church, it's a congregation of believers who are like, the Lord's given me something to say, and I don't need anybody to receive it. It'll be good if people do, because the Lord's speaking it. The Lord's given me this authority in this place, and I'll continue to operate in that authority. But if it's completely rejected, it won't matter a whit to me and my relationship with the Lord and what he's doing. Because no person can withdraw that. It's the Holy Spirit that gives that authority, so no person can take it away. which is the complete opposite of the Corinthians, all kind of jangling together and trying to establish ground. Let's go to James 1, 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that he might be a kind of first fruits. We might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Again, this is like a little mini condensed thing in here. You can see this like swift to speak, swift to jump in. Like these, again, writing to believers. Um, the swiftness to speak into something before the Lord has said something, the swiftness to take on what we tell ourselves is the righteous wrath of God when it's really our wrath manifesting. does not produce righteousness. Therefore, I'll lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This one will be blessed in what he does." If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. We have a embarrassing riches of Scripture in this land. And yet... So little of the Spirit's leadership. Because it is so easy to eat this stuff and regurgitate it without it touching our hearts if we don't let it.
And so we can fill space with a whole lot of what sounds like the word of the Lord. Because it comes out of Scripture and we all recognize it and it feels good. And just like the Holy Spirit makes space, which allows us to grow into maturity in that space, which he's doing right now. He's making space for all of us to choose maturity, to move into more maturity. Um, We, obedient to him, do the same. We make space for each other by saying what he says and not taking that as an opening to then add 75% more. And this is why there's a warning about not being eager to be a teacher because when there's an opportunity to talk, it's all in our nature to fill that space and time with words. Um, I feel I feel so much sympathy for public figures when they get harassed for saying stupid things because people are asking them to talk so much of course they're going to say stupid things like it is a huge trap and then we and then you know like the public is like oh that dumb thing that person said it's like how How much space have you been given in front of a lot of people to just talk and people don't care what your actual area of authority is? They will ask you. Once you have authority in some area, you will get start to get asked about every other little thing. And the temptation is to answer all of it. And of course, you're going to say really dumb things about something you have no authority over. First Corinthians 13, I'm going to wrap up. If the response leaders wants to come up, want to come up. <laughs> I see a lot sometimes in the writing, in the scripture, there's like, Here's the trap, here's the way out. Here's the diagnosis, here's the cure, right? Like, it's like all the letters to the churches, you know? Here's your diagnosis, here's your medicine. Um, that's so beautiful. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Just how often are we like, Let's look around this church and go, you know what? I'm going to suffer for you guys. Not suffer somebody else's bringing me suffering. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the suffering you're giving me with a glad heart and with love. Love does not envy. Love does not berate itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. 
bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Lord, would you make us like you? We want to be gentle, loving, kind. We want to speak truth in love, Lord. We want to speak truth at cost. We want to speak truth in such a way that it is intended to serve others. I know this is the way that it um, cleans out my heart is by it passing through in love. Lord, thank you for the promise, Lord, for thousands of years. You've been making space for the people who love you to grow more into your leadership of love. Lord, would you help us um, mature into this opportunity instead of falling into it headlong? Would you show us the more excellent way? Amen. There's no bad.